Hello and what's up? This is Max Volume Meetups. I'm your host, Jessica Jacks, delivering you our debut episode. I'm so excited to be presenting this to you and this podcast in general. Uh, And fair warning, my excitement and energy was a little bit louder than I anticipated during the recording of the podcast itself. And my wireless earbuds will be aggressively punished for their uselessness. So tune in as I display my thorough lack of knowledge in music production, discuss the psychology behind music consumption by a true addict, aka myself and my special guest, and glean in on our general banter about how technology plays a role in the advancement of musical experiences from past, present, and future. So without further ado, it's time to step into the limelight of our special guest, Dunn B. Go for it. Okay, so first, uh, tell us who you are. Tell us what you do. Um, my name is Daniel uh, Solis. I go by Dunby uh, online for all my music production. Um, I've been producing music for a little over 10 years now. Um, I just established a business in April. Uh, for all things entertainment and we just launched fat music about a month ago awesome Awesome. congrats and like you know i only know snippets of your journey through music and like creating fat music and um for all things entertainment and so i just wanted to know specifically like what drew you to branch out into that like tell me like the first moment you knew that this is exactly what you wanted to do before even going to full oh, sale um, and all that gravy I would say I would say I knew when I was like 12 maybe yeah yeah uh, I started making music on a computer program called uh, Magic's or something uh and then i i got a copy of it for my playstation and i would make beats just like electronic and acid trance and all kinds of weird stuff <laughs> uh and yeah when i was when i was a kid i was like oh yeah i could do this for the rest of my life uh and it was that people told me that i was really good at it and i didn't i mean i was a kid i didn't know what the fuck i was doing <laughs> so, right yeah um is that, is that what you mean? Like when I started to know that I yeah. was be a producer or like uh, when I knew that for sure I was going to do it as a career? Yeah. And then just like maybe like elaborate on like the journey through like what was going through your mind as you grew older um, and then to the point where you are now. Um, and it was like everybody wants to be in a band. So I was like, got to be in a band, right? Yeah. Uh, picked up a guitar. Um tried my best to join bands and uh, got into metal really hard and then went to folk and then it wasn't until I was 18 2008 uh, (laughs) that uh, that I got a like a pirated version of Fruity Loops and I was like oh yeah 
oh, it's in the bag now, right? Now I, now I know that I'm gonna do music forever. And then I was just making music all the time and showing friends and being excited. And they're like, oh yeah, dude, one day, like other people would be like, one day you're gonna be famous. You know, don't forget about me, da da da. And I was like, that's really big. And so I started to believe that, you know, and I was like, well, how do I achieve that? Um, uh, it got to the point where I was like, well, I need to look at the market and what, where the industry's at. And we're, we were like heavily moving from rock to hip hop. So I naturally gravitated towards hip hop and it's my roots and where I'm from. And, uh, and I started to make beats and sell them and work with other artists and uh, found out that one of the artists that I was uh, doing promo for was doing a single uh, release with feature with uh, Donald Glover or Childish Gambino uh, called No Small Talk by Carrie Foe. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of when it hit me. like. I reached out to her after and I was like, hey, did you still want to do work? You know, like, uh, and I, I just got ghosted super hard and the whole team that she was working with ghosted me same time and took some of my beats and- uh, Wow, and I, what? And I knew that in that moment, I was like, I have something that's worth taking and I don't know the business side of it, like contracting and licensing. I was like, I need to go to school. But, you know, having been on my own for so long, uh, I had no idea how to get into school. So um, I looked into it. And because of, I guess, the time that I was born, I wasn't uh, able to get any financial aid until I was like 26. So I waited until I was 26, got a call from Full Sail. Uh, Cause, well, I, I actually applied and on my my, uh, my cover letter or whatever, I explained to them what recently happened. And they looked into my background and they were like, oh, yeah, this kid's legit. And then they gave me big old grant scholarship and here I am. <laughs> that's amazing. And it's like, that's so, that's so fucked. Like, how does that happen? You know, and, and I guess it it's not just how does it happen. It's just like, you know, these are influential people, you know, and like you would think that their reputation supersedes them and that they would grant that same respect to you after doing that for them. And it's just shocking to me. But at the same time, it's like it's people. It's man. way it's like so it's way more simple than that even. Right. So it's not like a uh, like, uh, for instance, I have clients right now that I'm working on music with. And if I got a deal to say work with Timberland, right, I would be like, <laughs> of course I'm going to go and pursue this bigger uh, career opportunity. And if I'm getting texts about, yo, when are we going to finish that? Like, we haven't signed any paperwork. It's out of my hands. Like, that's it. That's all. You know, uh, so I understand it now, whereas when it happened before, I was like, that same, that same, like, how does that happen? But 
it's really because it's uh the industry is like from my experience you you get what you give to it and i was giving a very amateur uh producer energy to it and so i got that right back and when i started to develop more on uh you know best practices and uh just bettering my craft i started to meet more people that were meeting me halfway and it, it's like it's, so far it's been a mirror the, the whole time you know so no that makes sense um completely and i it's just when it comes to like considering the business aspect of the music industry and where you are at that point in time it was more just like a lack of um keeping your your contracts and the paperwork you know right. solid so that they wouldn't take advantage of you and i guess right. that was just what was missing yeah. and so for them it was just like a free-for-all mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um so no that makes sense and um as far as like the projects that you're doing now, can you talk to me about them and like talk to me about, um, you know, the clients and the work that you do with your clients and like the value that they get out of the experience of working with them and then vice versa. Yeah. Um, a lot of the projects that we're working on right now, uh, it's, it's really funny because being a, you know, producer and then being the engineer and then being the owner of a company and then being like what are the projects I'm working on I'm trying to teach my guys the value of audiovisual representation and uh, how to how to project manage in their own workspace and, and workflow uh, for things like that as well as tutoring my own team how to identify issues in their mixes and and so those are like admin projects and I'm scheduling and I'm you know hey did you follow up you know and, and all of that but then when it comes down to the more creative projects that I'm working on I'm I'm really consulting artists that I've been working with for a couple of years I, I signed uh, my first artist Flacco 6 and he was a project for me you know like um i saw potential and i was like hey i'll give you a bunch of time and now watching him become better over the last two years um that that project to simplify it's, it's almost impossible like we've gone through so much together from just being like hey study you know rhyme schemes and study uh sibilance uh, and you know learn how to count bars and beats and you know learn about internal rhymes external rhymes soft rhymes hard rhymes uh wordplay you know all these things and then also hey i can't i can't work because i gotta go to the doctor because something's wrong with my mouth and then hey you know my cousin pastor hey you know anything like this uh those are just examples you know general not specific to him but you you build a relationship over time just from meeting someone there you know uh and so in my experience like my my projects that are my artists become way bigger than i could ever anticipate but it's also like watering a plant 
you know, uh, or watering a crop more more or less uh, in that regard. And that's like I feel like that's a very removed analogy or metaphor. But uh, at the same time, like there's a little bit of pride that comes with that kind of uh, perspective and ownership. So there's 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 so so many different perspectives. Uh, just and that's just like tier two, you know. And then my personal projects, where I'm like working on studying uh, new techniques of production, and oh, I never thought about you know this or that, and then I share that with the community, and then they reflect back, and um, all, all kinds of different things because of the nature of what we do, you know. Um, what's another one? Uh, right now, I'm like on the the right on the line. I'm about to retake voice classes, vocal lessons, so that I can teach them, right? Kind of adding more things to the repertoire uh, of services, but it's like, I've already got all this other stuff going on. How could I possibly, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, that's a lot. I mean, you do a lot um, and, and it's like for each individual, you know, it's, um, it, and it's based on like their needs. Yeah, and then absolutely. it's based on like their, it, you build like this personal relationship with them and you, you get close to them and you're creating something together. And it's just like, um, it just sort of surpasses just being like a business thing. It right. starts to become something where like you're, you're collaborating on the, it's not a product. Right. It's like, right. A melding of minds basically and, that's, and that's like uh the biggest thing that i try to preach to is that it is a product and that's why you mm -hmm. have to work hard to make it a great product that people right. want to return to uh but then you know deep down i'm like grimacing because i'm like it's absolutely not a product but without that mindset you you know you won't be able to separate the two you know, like understanding what it yeah. really is on paper and then being in it every step of the way are completely separate. And exactly that's a balance that I feel like came really intuitively for me, but I would imagine that's difficult, right? Yeah, I think so. I think for creatives, it becomes more like a becomes a passion first before it becomes a product and i think that teaching them that yes this is something that you want to sell because this is what you want to do for the rest of your life you right. want to be able to to make a break and 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 get this going so that you don't you can continue to do exactly what you want to do but being able to live off of that too right so i think it's important that you're coaching that and you're letting them know yeah. That's, that's, so, ooh. what is more of like your? Go ahead. What? Oh no, I was I was just gonna say, uh, there there was a talk that I had, uh, like, especially right now for like beat makers and uh, rappers, uh, solely, was like, don't feature for free, or you know, don't give away beats for free, um, you know, pay somebody for your promo, do you know? 
your money has value just like your talent has value and really establishing that value is a talk that's really difficult up front because if you've never sold a service or never uh you know been like hey i'll do this creative thing for you uh, right because like visual art mm -hmm. you say yeah i'll draw you a logo or design you a logo whatever but like musically a lyricist or a songwriter you know who hasn't ever done it before they don't understand that you're establishing your value on the first project you know um if you can pay your rent you still got to keep your day job because you got to eat you know what i'm saying that that kind of uh conversation i have it with them all the time right exactly and it's like it's not just you know spending the money um for what you need that that's absolutely key mm -hmm. it's also adding value for your audience too mm -hmm. because um it, it's all about like the audience's journey through experiencing the music that you provide mm -hmm. and like they're uh what they're looking forward to next and what what you're providing to the table but not for free it's it's definitely there is a cost to the steps to get to the point where you're releasing something mm -hmm. yeah so what is some more of your um i know we were talking a little bit about like the psychology of music so let's talk more about the in-depth stuff and, and um figure out you know what is the what exactly is the process mentally that goes into you aside from just the technical stuff uh of what like consuming music or producing it let's talk about both okay so we'll start with producing it first um so it's really difficult to pinpoint that uh being a producer is well just out of your own personal experience because right. of everybody has their own process everybody has their own like well, mental thing i'm thinking more of like again depends on what the artist or the client is after right and so if i'm producing something from scratch i'm in there like a kid with legos i'm just like this sounds dope let's try this all right a little bit of this you know uh not getting into the technical parts of it uh that's essentially what it is but then if i've got a goal you know uh where a client's like, hey, I wrote this little melody and they just show me a recording that they did on their phone. I have to match that and find that energy and create that space for them. And so really there's not a whole lot of psychology that goes behind that part uh, of production, you know? Um, but it's, it's a lot of uh, so, uh, like social interaction in that regard uh i think i think uh we talked about music therapy like super briefly mm -hmm. right um and the one thing that came to mind when you mentioned music psychology though or so much like how our brains are affected by music um in the studying that i was doing is like they found uh people with uh, I'm derailing here, trying to, trying to get. No, this, part. Um, this is fine. Go whichever <laughs> way you need to. Uh, <laughs> that like people with uh, 
you know, tumors growing on their brain or something, or, you know, uh, or people that had split brains after surgery or um, people that got hit by lightning would randomly have these uh, musical talents that they've never known before. Uh, and I think what's interesting about those uh, those studies is that I think I think that music is in all of us. You know, like uh, I ask this question all the time. Like, go, you know, when I'm trying to do a presentation or something, I said, if you uh, if you could play any instrument, what instrument would it be? And nine times out of ten, somebody will name an instrument, and that one out of ten person will be like, I never really thought about wanting to do that. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, uh, I feel like music is. Uh, is something that we wish we could express all the time. Uh, that is to say, I want I want to affect music education for the reason that of, of its psychological benefits of expression in general. Um, but then the other side of that is like, uh, do you know anything about how we perceive classical music or popular music or why we why we gravitate? Talk about it. Um, so like. Uh, classical music you know they say if you play for your your baby their brain will be more active right yes um, or if you're studying you know it's easier to uh, to stay zoned in a lot of that has to do with uh, the movements not being too repetitive or um, you know because it's all math at the end of the day like music is all math um, broken down into fractions and you know um and classical music kind of keeps us energized because of the way that the the structure of it kind of flows. Whereas, like, uh, if you were listening to you know WAP while you're studying, you <laughs> would you would move with that more and kind of dance to it more than you would be thinking, right? Because it's easy to pick up the patterns are rhythmic uh, uh, and repetitive and your brain loves those right we love familiar things that's why we rewatch movies again right because we're like we associate the familiarity with being good because we're we we're humans we love familiar right mm -hmm. um and so I, I was always fascinated by that like if you uh listen to like around the world by daft punk and you like really think about how how many people love that song and it's just a kick and a snare and a hi-hat and around the world around the world and a loop. around the world yeah. around the world and so uh, <laughs> but it's, it's it's so catchy and we all you can all feel it uh, but it's it's really popular because it is so repetitive because your brain is just like yeah and it's like it you know whenever the songs get stuck in your head and that familiarity comes mm -hmm. into play when it's like oh god now i can't get this out of my head mm -hmm. and so when you speak familiar titles like around the world and it just starts looping in your head the same way that it plays mm -hmm. um you know and that's part of just 
the catchiness, I guess, mm. of um, music and how it's like kind of contagious in a way, mm. you know. That that's something that uh, that is interesting about uh, the psychology of producing it is keeping in mind that uh, your audience or you know demographic uh, consumer there is after a particular sound from you or what they've heard you do, right? But when you're crafting these uh, these songs and somebody brings you a melody and say, well, instead of, you know, uh, going da-da-da-da, you know, what if you did, uh, uh, you shrank that part down and then we wrote a few more words on the back end so that you can get da-da-da-da, you know, you give it a second. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that reminds me of, uh, gosh, girlfriend from Gym Class Heroes. Which one? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Gym Class Heroes. Uh, oh my god. Um, no. Nah. <laughs> I I got you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Exactly though, right? Um, and it's simplifying things for us to find more familiar, or you know, if there's a whole lot of variance, we don't don't like to listen to it as much for the first time if you uh i think i may have talked to you about this before as well we're like a, a lot of my older music uh or things that i produce and released on my own they the first time you listen to them you're like this is neat right this is really cool but it's not like something that i'm gonna pop into my playlist and listen to all the time and then you see it again and then you listen to it again and you're like oh yeah i remember this song this song was actually pretty good cool. <laughs> well if you would just make a spotify <laughs> account already and like uh, well, <laughs> release all of these things that you've right. done then yeah i would probably put them <laughs> on my playlist um i'm just teasing i know i know these are i mean uh, that was me speaking from other, other people telling me about right that. and like uh i i decided to go back and look at SoundCloud the other day and found that people are still tuning into my stuff. And I'm like, I haven't released anything in almost a year. That's my own work, but people are still going back to listen to it. And so I know that if it was easy, more easily accessible, that you're absolutely right. It would end up in somebody's playlist. That's, that's, uh, actually in two weeks, we're supposed to have, uh, new releases. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so then I think we touched a little bit on like uh, consuming music and how we consume music. And mm. but I don't know if we went fully in depth with that and like your thoughts on it and like what you've what yeah. you've been able to pick up on. I mean, so when I think about music consumption, I think about uh, outlets, outlet malls and, you know, shopping malls, uh, the grocery store. Like we went into Target the other day and they were just grooving to something because it was, I mean, this is pandemic and, you know, there's nobody in <laughs> here. And so the employees were just like, you know, having a time. <laughs> uh, we walked in and it was, you know, Oh, in this house. This, no, I'm just kidding. But could you imagine? Could you imagine? Uh, oh my god, that would be so fantastic. I know, and I, uh, everybody would be twerking in there. Anyways, yeah. Uh, but that's that's what I think about 
from a subconscious level. What are we listening to? We're listening to hits that we grew up on, typically, or like yesteryear's hits, right? And and these shopping scenarios that are like just playing in the background, uh, which are familiar, right? And then we we go to like the radio, and that's I mean particular to who you are and how you how you uh, want to listen. Like I might not want to listen to the hip hop station right now because they don't have shit on. So I'm flipping through the channels, right? But most of us are on streaming, whether it's YouTube Music or Spotify, Apple Music, you know, uh, was it Tidal, SoundCloud, you know, all these streaming platforms. Uh, and we either already know what we want or these platforms provide a radio based on what we want, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that's fascinating now because when you and I were growing up, I was on LimeWire and Napster and ripping a bunch of stuff that I didn't know what it was. And I found several artists, you know, uh, that I was just like, whoa, this is really dope. But I would have never listened to it if it wasn't a part of like 300 gigs of free music, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, and it's, it's like... Um, it's really interesting because now there are algorithms in place that do that for us, right? Um, mm -hmm. But there was a study and a paper or like a thesis or something that this German kid wrote. He's probably not a kid. He's probably, you know, he's probably <laughs> 50 years old. music or some shit, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, he said by like 2055 or you know in the next 50 years that technology would be so much more advanced especially with augmented reality and virtual reality on the rise again uh i say again as if it were ever on the rise before but uh but it but it's uh becoming more widely acceptable right as a medium of education and design and all kinds of things and so uh he's saying Within the next 50 years, it'll, music will be so accessible that even though you don't know how to play a guitar, you can, you'll be able to pick up a guitar in a virtual space and play it as if you had been playing your entire life or uh, play the piano based off of your, you know, body's movement or you can be more expressive because of the environment that you're provided with. Uh, and I thought that was really fascinating, but it also speaks on the music industry, the streaming industry, that a lot of us will be less inclined to pay for services or, uh, you know, all of those things, because if, if like for instance, like if you could play the piano, would you be listening to Mozart more often? Or would you want to be more hands-on, you know, if you knew how to play a Mozart piece? Yeah, no, and that so, makes sense. And that's the theory, right? Is that if we yeah. can all make our own music, then selling it will be less valuable, right? Right. And I mean, that's like, that's a huge thought um, in terms of where technology is going. 
And I think that in our generation, we were so spoiled by having Napster and LimeWire. And it just came, it became a luxury thing. It was like, oh yeah, well, I can torrent like this full discography from like these three different artists in like one day. Well, maybe, maybe not one day, maybe like right. two days because right. we were still running on like dial-up. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but um, no, and it's just, uh, I feel like there's a challenge to a degree on the selling space of, of music mm. and having these streaming platforms and the fact that these streaming platforms only pay so much for you to have your music there mm -hmm. um depending on how many people are listening to it how many followers you have and so on and so forth how many hours it's being listened to that it needs to be spread across multiple platforms for you to be able to make that money so like mm -hmm. youtube mm -hmm. um as well as Bandcamp and selling your own merch, having your own website to do all that. It's like, it has to end like a collective uh, piggy bank of being able to live off of what you're doing right. because you're so spread out with all these platforms. It's not like a singular platform that you could do. And then even with the pandemic and stuff, it's like, um, virtualizing the concert experience is like the next big thing. It's like the next big frontier that people are starting to explore because of what's going on. And so I think that in terms of technology and how it's some, it, it is going to at some point diminish certain things. It's also going to amplify certain outlets for music, if that makes sense. I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I relate that to like, we used to have eight tracks and then we had cassette tapes and then we had CDs and then, you know, now we're like, uh, I'm a real connoisseur. I like AIFFs, you know, like, uh, like, uh, it, it's the same to me as that. Right. And like the digitization of all of the tools to produce a full track with a microphone and a computer instead of being like, I need to go to a studio where they have all of this bulky equipment that costs $15,000 a piece. And, you know, uh, it's, it's on the same threshold of that kind of advancement where uh, it will diminish the live scene and maybe some arenas won't be as impressive, but like, there's always going to be a, uh, I, I believe that in our lifetime and maybe our children's and grandchildren's lifetime that uh there will be a desire for distraction a desire for entertainment right like entertainment as a whole is just something that we have enjoyed for you know a lot of recorded history or at least been allowed to enjoy <laughs> right yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but but music namely is like just so old you know right um <laughs> just the desire to create music and to share with people that feeling of uh, synchronicities yeah. uh that Big. augmented reality if i if i could be like hey i'll see you in a second meet me in the studio and then you know you came in your virtual avatar and there here we are performing music together but you you know you get what i'm saying like yeah that's priceless you're however many miles away and absolutely i would be subscribed to that service 
Yes. You get, you get what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, absolutely. Like you said. That'd be so cool. <laughs> actually, <laughs> like it would be like, sign me up. Right. <laughs> and, um, gosh, I was going to mention something about like, you know, um, of course you don't know. <laughs> Cause I'm thinking about it. <laughs> well, like as far as, you know, how music is adapting itself it's like it's always been adapting it's constantly it's like mm. honestly i feel like music and services surrounding music are one of the first notions that we have that like technology is advancing next to that is like video games right. you know like when you go back and you you watch like playstation one video games it's like how was i even able to play this i can't even make anything out anymore it's not right. detailed enough um you know it's all pixels yeah. and like even with game boys it's like you're looking at it and the screen's like dark as hell and you're like how was i even able to play this at like 10 years old 12 years old or what whatnot mm. and when it comes to music it's like you start to get these hints that like technology is like oh yeah constantly evolving constantly adapting to what's convenient and what is going to be as immersive as possible so i absolutely see where like vr would take place and it's like hell even when guitar hero came out that's exactly the same concept right of being able to tap into a game being able to play a game ddr is the same thing you know, and it's like you don't even have to be like a producer to be able to play this. You just have to be able to learn the controls right. of like a singular object, whether it's like the dancing board or if it's like a fake guitar mm -hmm. console thing. That's uh, that's kind of like what the mission was for the producers at Harmonix, uh, the guys who started uh, Guitar Hero and uh, later transitioned and to rock band to implement you know the vocals and the drums and whatnot uh, and then they sold to activision or something right um but that was their goal they wanted you to feel like you were a rock star and they achieved mm -hmm. that on so many levels for so many people you know uh but and, and you're right it's exactly what it was is you just had to learn the controls and then here i am shredding the fuck out of this guitar and i'm a badass and then you know <laughs> Uh, now I just gotta grow up my hair and yeah. <laughs> get tatted up, and I'll be a real rock star one no, day. That, yeah. that's, that was the beauty of it, though, right? Is that you could be yes, the, you could be the cubicle monkey, and you could work on uh, you know in a finance department or something, and be the cleanest cut, and then go home and be that rock star for the moment, right? And then go back to your regular life. That <laughs> that's the appeal. And, and, and mm -hmm. yeah, it's got a, a, a really, convenience. That's exactly. The, yeah. The, uh, I can go and get a quick hit of dopamine and then I'm gone, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. So I think that that very much will be, uh, the future of our consumption with music. Uh, like you said, virtual or, um, concerts and, you know, environments in which we can apply those kinds of experiences right like how i imagine virtual concerts would be is like you they pay for a ticket entry mm -hmm. and then like vip noseblade would be like you get to interact somehow with mm -hmm. the concert experience which would take crazy amounts of room for like um like servers 
space and stuff for it to not crash. So that's the that's the one limiter though, is like technology is limited in certain ways where it's like, okay, you get like 500 people to pay for this virtual concert thing, then you get somehow to like have them experience it firsthand, whether it's they get to be featured in the live stream on like a roulette type of thing uh, where they're like dancing in their living room or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it would work, but that's how I imagine it. Have and you... it's like making sure that that doesn't crash mm-hmm. and a bunch of people getting pissed off and like having to um, demand their money back and stuff. That's the challenge. And that's the limitation of technology. So like you could only go so far until they're like, okay, well, this is what was wrong with it. How can we make it better? And then that's where the advancement happens. Are you aware of the virtual concerts that have already taken place and how they're running or anything like that? I've seen like live streams um, of performances like Paul Van Dyke. He was streaming like every Sunday with just him in his studio mm-hmm. with his equipment and just doing what he does every Sunday. But he it was, was just, just like, on camera. It was right? pretty cool. It wasn't, but, it wasn't like a, uh, it was only being recorded or it was only like in a space like that right uh, yeah and so I, I think it was uh marshmallow did a Fortnite concert where like he's just like connected to the game or whatever and he performed music live as an avatar wow uh and then there are other uh joints where like the virtual concert is you are sitting in a seat right where they have binaural audio recording going which is uh, basically a microphone that's shaped like a person's head but instead of uh you know an eyes and nose and mouth and forehead and hair and shit it was just a shitload of human ear shapes and the microphones would record 180 so that uh while you're sitting there with your virtual reality on you can turn your head and the sound and everything is reflecting back the way that your head's tilted so that while you're experiencing the visual sure you can't move around but you're like you would be sitting down anyways if you're enjoying a classical piece you know and if you're like turning to your right or whatever your homie's sitting right there in the same virtual concert sure your avatars or whatever but the uh have you ever experienced virtual reality uh, like, no, like, uh, like I'm dying. You know, I uh, feel like I'm still back two years ago. <laughs> uh, it's so convincing. It's so convincing. Like uh, something happens in your brain when you feel like what you hear is really there. Like uh, when when you hear like say somebody knocks on the door, right? That sound yeah. is really familiar, and it triggers something in your brain that makes you go, "Oh, I got to go get the door." And then it also triggers like, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't have a bra on. I got to go, or I don't have pants on. I got to go put on pants real quick. Oh shit, who could be at my door? It's 11 o'clock. And these trigger all of these things, right? And so in a virtual space where you hear, doom, 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 doom. And you're like, oh shit, who's at the door? But it's exciting because it's not real, you know? And so you go out there, if you, you know, go to approach the door and a shotgun blasts the door off that triggers the shit out of you you're convinced because you're associating with everything else and even though you're not moving physically something about hearing those things in that virtual space and those things happening to you uh have you ever heard of super hot do you know what that is super hot no i don't 
I'm like in the dark with games, <laughs> I swear. Um, <laughs> uh, super hot is a like a you're in control of the way that time moves based on how quickly you're moving. Oh. Uh, but it's very polygonal, right? It's very uh, basic uh, graphics. But the concept is you're, uh, you know, you're being chased by all these dudes that are trying to kill you for whatever reason. And let's say, uh, you know, one pops out of a door right next to you and he tries to punch you. The second that you see him doing those animations, if you stop moving, he'll like draw back. If you stop moving, he'll stop moving. And so as you go to approach him, his animation starts to complete. And so it's a power fantasy, right? It's a complete power fantasy. If somebody throws a knife at you while you're punching this guy in the face, and then you stop right before he hits you, you can slowly move your head and grab the knife and throw it right back. And it's, a, it's an entire power fantasy, but it's spectacular. I highly recommend you go check it out. Uh, I will. But stuff like that will get your heart pumping, you know? Uh, Resident Evil VR. That shit. Oh my god. Like, I scream like a little girl because of <laughs> the flies buzzing on the corpse. And I, I could like smell it. I could swear that I could smell it, but I can't smell it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. but it, it felt because I could put my head down next to this corpse and be like, oh god, you're disgusting, you know? <laughs> and then just all those experiences, uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating uh, how the virtual space can convince you. I highly recommend that you invest in the experiences Some, somehow. I, don't know. I definitely will. I definitely will. And and the thing is, is what I, I think is most fascinating about it is like the way that VR brain triggers you where it's like it has that 70%, 20% thing where like 70% of it is this game and this experience that you're having with this game and your surroundings. And then the, the 20% is just based off of your familiarity and like your experiences. So like when you say that it taps into your other senses where you can actually like smell something or you feel like you can smell something it's like a replayed memory and mm -hmm. and it and it triggers your senses mm -hmm. to pick up on what you're seeing so i think that's so cool and yeah i'm i've been meaning to invest in vr i just haven't yet because i suck i guess <laughs> no way man uh it's i don't know it is expensive but i also say to myself like so is everything else it's kind of expensive to be alive. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm waiting for the PlayStation 5. Okay, and then Cyberpunk 2077 is when I'm going to pick up the controller and actually game something, like actually play <laughs> through something. I totally want to stream it too because it looks so good and oh, I can't yeah. wait. Um, speaking of PS5, one thing that I'm really, uh, really excited about is, as, as, as you know by now, I'm an audio professional. Uh, and, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the physics engine has a built-in uh, audio algorithm, physics, like a, like audio physics, right? It's um, it's based off of whatever the game. So, like, let's say you're in a in a cave, right? So the stone or the you know stalactites or whatever, they all have a an audio physics programming to them. And so when something is said, like before, we have like a, a at least I can hear it whenever I'm in these environments. Like, 
that's not how this would reverb. You know, like this wall is super dense. It's made out of giant stones on like say Assassin's Creed Origins or something. You know, mm -hmm. like your voice would not be echo chambering in a room this size. You get, you know, um, but then being able to program the density of the walls around you or the objects around you to have your character walk into that environment and speak and then you know let's say it's windy outside you close the door you can still hear the wind outside but now we can program it to beat against the wall and you can still hear the realness to that and so i think that it's mm -hmm. not just impressive but a little bit dangerous moving forward like uh for virtual reality like i can only imagine like man has heart attack playing virtual reality because you know <laughs> you get what i'm saying like uh because of like you said the way that <laughs> it triggers our brain to feel the other senses right exactly yeah so the future of of audio in video games is so much more advanced coming into this next generation that I'm going to poop my pants probably <laughs> whenever <I fly. laughs> it's <laughs> yeah I mean it's just like I said earlier it's like um we see the advancement of technology in like music movies video games like regardless of what anybody's doing regardless of what anybody's thing is if they're like oh I don't really watch movies or like oh I don't play video games mm -hmm. or um Music's okay, I guess, you know, and unfortunately people like that exist, Boring. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but basically what I'm saying is like, you see the evidence no matter what you're doing. I mean, even if you tune into like a YouTube video and you see an ad for like this thing that you're not really interested in, but if it's that good visually, you're going to keep watching it. Right. And if yeah. it sounds good enough, you're going to keep mm -hmm. listening to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so in regards to where you think or what your ideals are, like what is your ideal for where music and the music industry is going? Mm. Technology wise or whatever way that you so, think. I feel like we covered a lot of the tech for it. Um, I, I really think uh, if we just look at the next five to 10 years uh, perspective, that um, we're gonna see a lot more indie stuff like independent artists because of the independent artists that have proven that that platform is a good way to go uh and that and that routes back to your product and so how good is your business team how good is your production team audio visuals all of the like how good are you at selling yourself essentially on an independent basis and um so a lot of independent artists a lot of independent record labels uh, and with that comes a lack of you know my boss says I have to produce this kind of sound or this kind of album and work with this engineer or work with this uh, guitarist or you know whatever uh, it turns into a different experience different creative process uh, and I'm really excited to kind of hear uh, have you ever heard of Kei Tronada? No. No. Um, no. I'll share it with you. After. How do you spell it? Uh, it's K A Y T R A N D E. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my 
Mm. I can do math. <laughs> don't, don't ask me to spell anything. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but that sound, uh, or like Disclosure's new stuff, is totally derived from other things that were popular yesteryear, you know, the last decade or whatever. And and it's really uh, telling too because like there are more and more one-hit wonders that are slapping us in the face weekly, right? And so I think that five to 10 years time, there's just gonna be, you know, who can sell themselves better, less about like, because uh, we're always gonna have label-based music, right? Because it's familiar, but I think that generations follow, who knows? You know, who knows what they'll be into. They'll recognize, be like, power is corrupt, you know. <laughs> Don't support the label, you know, who knows. Uh, right. I mean, we definitely have the climate for that sort of uh, change and for that sort of, mm. like, revolution to happen through mm. music, too. Mm. You know, we have all of the elements in place right now mm. to, to see that Kind of change happen and i mean when it, when it comes to radio it's like you get so many interruptions um unless you're you're unless you're subscribed to like sirius xm radio or something right. or unless you like actually actively on your phone listen to the top 10 like and i personally don't i love i love discovering new artists and i love you know indie artists and just finding new sounds to mm. get addicted to and mm. to like consider putting on my playlist, which I have like way too many of them. I have one for like every genre, every mood, um, you know? <laughs> and so it's like, it's just when it comes to radio and listening to the same, like 10 artists being on loop all day, every day, and it makes you wonder like where for people who rely on radio or for people who like, are too lazy <laughs> to make their own playlists or, or to or subscribe yeah, to yeah. Spotify premium. Right. It makes me, it makes me think how far does their exposure to good music go? Is it really just limited to right. the same like 10 premium label artists that are supposedly popular? I dated you know? someone for several years that, you know, whenever you ask what, what kind of music do you listen to? And she would say, I don't really listen to music, right? Just like we were talking about before, right? And uh, and I, you know, hearing that, I was like, what do you mean? I was like, there's so many avenues for you to do that. And uh, just, it doesn't do much for me. Like, I enjoy it and I like the environment. You know, when I'm at a live show or whatever, and I'd be like, well, who's your favorite band? Well, if I had to pick one, it would be Coldplay. And I'm like, why would you choose Coldplay? How old? Yeah, I was like, okay, I mean, that's fine. That's your, you know, that's your, your enjoyment. And so, like you say, uh, when like people are too lazy to find a playlist or like, that's just not their thing, you know, or like, uh, or uh, exposed to good music, good new music, or just accept the pop, like, there's always going to be the mix of people, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. it's easy. It's easy to like look at it from somebody who enjoys those things and be like, I don't understand how you <laughs> love these things. But uh, that, that's kind of how 
we got to this revolutionary stage in our society in the first place is by saying i don't understand you <laughs> right yeah so it's almost like um it's like, like a interesting cyclical pattern there yeah and you know it might not even be like it might not even be out of laziness it might just be like this is the way that i access music and it's completely yeah. different from yours Absolutely. so it's like never gonna mirror the same process of mm. you know different individuals and whether it's like i personally don't go out of my way to access new music or different music to like yeah, sure. When I drive, I listen to music because I turn on the radio. Right. You know. Right. To so that I can get I could get all of my information all at once. I can get the but, top ten. I could get weather. I could get traffic, and then I could get yeah. random ads that I really don't give a shit about. But now, you know? it's <laughs> popular, absolutely right. Like, uh, it, well, most of the ads I feel like are for local uh, companies now, right? Like, we're not getting ads for like the all new iPhone. It's not, it's not where we're getting ads for phones right. anymore. Uh, you know, car insurance is something we get ads for. Uh, but what I was going to say is like, that's the beauty of having all of these platforms available uh, for us to consume those things. Um, I was thinking about, uh, before you said ads, I was thinking about something I lost it just then because I was like, oh yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> you're saying that it's never going to mirror the same. And then you're saying that, uh, you know, when I get in my car, how listen, one person. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I listen to music cause I turn on the radio and then it was something to do with like, uh, uh how people just don't access music the same way. Right. Um, but it, Oh, it's, it's so good. I can't remember it. it must oh have, man. <laughs> it's not been that good. Uh, let's see. It I was, was mentioning um, people was, don't have the same process in terms of absorbing music. Right. It, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's natural, but yeah, forget about it. Um, okay. You'll probably remember. Oh, it oh, oh, there it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was relevant, uh, ironically, to what we're doing right now, which is uh, it's more popular for us because uh, we were talking about social media as well, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And then, so like, we go, hey, share some music with me. Like, sh share your favorite song right now so I can go listen to it. Or, uh, you know, leave a song for me and then I'll comment a song for you or whatever. That's like becoming more popular on Facebook and uh, things like that. But then I also am thinking like uh, podcasts, right? I get in the car to drive. How many podcasts do you know off the top of your head? You know, like. I don't know very many because it's not my thing, but my old lady fucking loves podcasts. You know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, was it Aaron Menke who does lore or something like that? And when she puts when she puts it on, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to listen to this. That's dope. Or like um, Midnight Gospel, right? That's become more popular because of an mm -hmm. animation, an audio visual thing that kind of introduced a lot of people to it. But the podcast is way bigger than that. You know, so. Uh, that's another thing that was like uh, fascinating about our multiple platforms of accessing music is that they're doubling as radio now and you can tune into specific subjects because it's so accessible for independent producers to put their content out for streaming. Right. 
just like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that that is um, that is super relevant and it's so important too because, and just like there's so many different avenues now for music, even with TikTok, mm-hmm. and it's like you know, granted TikTok TikTok has TikTok has <laughs> has its own problems. Um, I guess with certain people who are like. I guess, uh, less privy of using TikTok because of privacy issues. And I'm like, you're on the internet. Welcome. (laughs) Like, this is literally the place where privacy kind of goes out the window unless you know how to handle certain things technologically, like, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to get into it. But even with TikTok, it's like becoming music-based, even like just talk-based, just like proving a point, like the TikTok that you sent me the other day. And it's just... It's so cool, but it's like, there's so many social media platforms to catch up to and like that are constantly coming out every single day. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, when are we gonna have just like, it's never gonna be an X amount of social media platforms. There's always gonna be like the next big thing that's Mm -hmm. gonna be like Mm -hmm. the turn of the page situation for music and for people in general to just share things about their life and about themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think podcasts are definitely, it's steadily growing in popularity. And I'm not, I haven't, I didn't decide to start it because of that. I think it's just literally the most random thought while you, when when you and I were talking, it's just like, I guess I could spin this off into a podcast. So it's not like, first of all, it's not a complete uh random thing there's something that i could use this for that can benefit other people not just exactly. for my own personal I think, benefit i think that just you know? kind of stems from uh your your like natural hunger for knowledge like and you want to share whatever you find with others i think that you are a scholar uh you know deep down like the things that you do like you gather a bunch of information and then you present it in a way that is easily consumable, right? And so, uh, and you do that not for the uh, commercial purposes of it, but so much as you enjoy being like, this is really neat, let's talk about it, yeah. you know? Uh, and and that's super scholarly, I feel like. You're, it's, it's like uh, documenting your findings, uh, you know, which is exactly that. Um, yeah, I gotta and like go. What's up? I gotta go soon. Oh, okay, no problem. <laughs> I was gonna say the last thing I was gonna say is like I don't even know if I would have a podcast set or even do episodes where I'm just talking to myself because I don't have nearly as fun as much fun like blabbering on about something random right. than I do with like bringing people on and sharing ideas like this and talking, you know. Even though it's not an in-person situation, it's at mm-hmm. least something that feeds me uh, in, I guess, the scholarly a- aspect that you were talking about, mm-hmm. where I just want to learn more. I want to learn more about people and like how they think and what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for, for your time and for, you know, doing this with me. And I can't wait. I'm going to, I can't wait to publish it. And 
just move on to the next thing and I'll have to see if you can come back again after you've released your stuff and like oh, yeah. talk more about that too. Absolutely. So where can people find you, your handles and all that, all, all that good stuff? Not your love handles, but you know, oh, where can uh, we find your handles to show you love? <laughs> um, I'm like, such a dork. I was like, they're, they're being protected by my headphones right now, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, it's Dunby, D-U-H-N-B, where you can find me most anywhere. So on Instagram, everything else. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. Okay. That's it. That's well, all. Thank you for having yes. me. Yes. Okay. You're welcome. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.